So I think that we get some mixed messaging in marriage when we think, especially I think traditional couples counseling. I actually went back to school to get my master's and something that I just couldn't handle was you go to, you go to couples therapy and you tell each other what you need and try to compromise and try to meet each other's needs and things like that. And I just feel like that is flawed. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we've got a special Valentine's Day edition of the Reclamation Podcast. Our goal, as you know, is to help reclaim good practices for faith and life. Nothing impacts your life more than your marriage. Nothing. If you're married, nothing impacts your quality of life more than your marriage. And today, we brought a relationship expert on. Her name is Monica Tanner. Uh, I got to follow some of her work online. She's putting out some brilliant things on her website, on the brighter side. Uh, We'll link to all that in the show notes. But you're going to love this conversation. She gives some very practical tips on how to improve your marriage without ever changing your spouse, how to work and be intentional in your attitude and focus on what's going to get you a real happily ever after. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Monica Tanner. I am so excited today to bring you a relationship expert, Monica Tanner. Monica, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you so much. You you know what's interesting about what you just said is I love to interview experts. I don't know that anyone's ever referred to me as an expert before. So that sounded kind of funny. Well, <laughs> uh, listen, I did the research and you know what you're talking about. So in my eyes, expert. Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's awesome. So let's start with that, actually. Uh, how does one jump into the world of relationships Um, I've dabbled in it myself with a lot of army stuff and I'm super passionate about healthy marriages. I know you are too. How did you get to this place in your life where you're uh, blogging, speaking, teaching on this subject? Yeah. Well, I think that my obsession with healthy relationships started when I was about 12 years old. My parents got a divorce Mm. and um, I think that it just kind of, it's, my personality, but also my experience caused me to just start examining other people's relationships. I just kind of studied my friend's parents that, you know, were married and, you know, how to be a good parent, how to be in a good relationship was just something that always kind of stuck out to me. I studied it in college. My, um, my undergrad is in, um, family relationships. And Austin, right? You went to university of Texas at Austin. That's right. Hook Does em. that make you a long a Longhorns fan? Absolutely. Hook them. That's right. Uh, we're, we're, we're in Buckeye country over here. So Uh-oh. I got bad taste <laughs> in my mouth from the Vince Young era. So that's fine. Keep going. Don't, don't let me get distracted by football. I know. You know what? We, I have football conversations a lot. But anyways, they were really, really good when I went there. They haven't been so good since, but I am always a Longhorn through and through. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so I, I did study family relationships in college, child development, and um, always planned on getting my master's of social work so I could do family counseling. But, you know, the, God had a different plan for me. I ended up getting married and starting my own relationship. So then I dove head first into that experiential learning. <laughs> and, um, I've never, I've never heard marriage called experiential learning before, but I well, absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there you go. It is. It's, it's kind of like you jump in with 
with two feet and you know there's no guarantees you just and what, what's your husband's name his name is ben and, ben and how did you and ben meet i love a good love story oh you know that is an actually an interesting story i was actually speaking in church uh -huh. And he was there in the congregation and went to come up to meet me afterwards. And I guess I just didn't notice him and just like schluffed him off. And That's so fantastic. it kind of put in his head like, okay, it, it made a challenge for him, I guess. So he kind of weaseled his way in. I wasn't really looking <laughs> for a relationship. I was actually preparing to go on a two-year mission mm -hmm. or actually 18 months mission. And so I just was kind of really focused on that. And he found a way to, you know, he found a way into my life. We became, we became really good friends. And I guess it's just kind of all, it, it, it was really interesting because very soon after we, we, we met, we were pretty sure that we wanted to get married. And I was really skeptical about marriage just because of my parents' relationship and all the things that I had experienced. So marriage wasn't like something that I was really contemplating at the time. But after meeting him, I was pretty sure that that's what I was supposed to be doing. So he, uh, so we, we had only been dating for about two months and then he went back up to school and I had graduated. So I was kind of making my future plans. And he came down to ask my dad if he could marry me. And my dad said, absolutely no way. You're kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My husband loves a challenge. And I made all of this very, very challenging for him. So. That's awesome. <laughs> so my dad, so we went to my dad. We we're like, what are we supposed to do? You don't want us to get married? What do you want us to do? And he's like, well, maybe consider living in the same zip code for more than a couple of months. And so... I kind of left my whole life in Austin behind. I packed up my little Honda Civic, drove all the way to Idaho, got a roommate up there, found a job. And um, after Wait, a couple- Time out. Yeah. Idaho? Idaho, yeah. What, what on earth? was Your husband's job was in Idaho? Is that the deal? Well, he was, he's born and raised here. And he went to school here, yeah. How different is it moving from Texas to Idaho? So weird because if you're from Texas, you know Texas pride runs deep. And so I've never heard of Idaho pride. No, uh, people love their state here in Idaho, but it's nothing like Texas pride. Yeah, nothing. I did feel like Texas is a culture. But when my husband came to Texas, he used to talk about how much he loved Idaho. And I mean, you'd have all these like born and raised Texans looking at him like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> like, who talks about Idaho, right? So I had to see it for myself. So I did. I traveled up to Idaho and then I moved to Idaho subsequently. And after just a couple of months of being here, I was like, this is dumb. Why are we putting this off? We know we want to be together. So we called and asked my dad again mm. if we could get married. And he said, no way, no how. I will not support this. So a few days later, he proposed and then he called my dad the next day and said, the next morning and said, I proposed to your daughter last night. She said, yes, we're going to give you six months to get used to the idea. We'd love you to be at the wedding, but it's your call. And then have a good day. Goodbye. You're kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll pause there because uh, as somebody who works deeply in relationships, right? And, and I do a lot of premarital counseling myself. Yes. Uh, what would you tell? you and Ben 
sitting in your office if the dad said no multiple times? You know, that is such a hard one because I feel like Ben and I were already committed to making it work before, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we walked down the aisle. And I think that's the most important thing you can have in a marriage relationship is commitment. So, you know, we knew against all odds that we were going to make this work. So, um, I don't know, there is a little bit of luck. There is a lot of work involved in marriage and you just, you you never really, there's no guarantees. Sure. Uh, We felt pretty certain that we were both following promptings from, you know, our higher power. And we knew that we were both very committed to making it work. So whatever the obstacles were, we knew we'd get through them together. So did you guys come from the same faith background? I mean, obviously you were speaking at church. (laughs) At his church. Oh, Well, I was actually a recent convert to his religion. I grew up Is Jewish. It, okay, so you grew up Jewish. Yeah. Got it. So part of the reason my dad was super vehemently against it is because he is a, a Jewish father that believes, you know, you should be through school, you should have money in the bank, you should have a good job. And Ben was in his second year of college when we got married. And what faith was he? What, my, ben or ben, my dad? Yeah, Ben, He's Ben, Christian. Ben. Christian. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, that's how it all started. And it wasn't until we were married that my dad came and, you know, gave us both a hug and said he would support us and that he loved us, but please don't have children right away. And so Ben and I decided to not prevent it. And (laughs) five months into our marriage, we were pregnant with our our first child. So that's awesome. That's incredible. And uh, how, how long have you guys been married now? So 18 years. 18 years. Almost wow. 18 years. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, if you were going to define um, where you are in your life now and kind of through your research, how would you define what a healthy relationship looks like? Ooh. Wow, that's a great question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. What a healthy relationship looks like. Well, a healthy relationship isn't going to be perfect. Mm. Um, A healthy relationship isn't going to involve two people always agreeing on everything. Um, A healthy relationship takes work and effort. And um, I think a healthy relationship involves two people who are belonging to themselves and choosing to share themselves with each other. So I can unpack that a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, no, I would. I would love for you to unpack it and practical examples. Okay. So one of the, um, the things that I love about Ben and I's relationship is we give each other the freedom to be who, um, we were meant to be. So I feel like I spend a lot of time um, following promptings from God to become the person that I'm meant to be. Um, and I feel like Ben does the same. And so we give each other the freedom to follow, you know, that call, whatever it may look like. And it's changed a lot over time, obviously. Um, but you know, we go through periods of time where, where things are out of balance, where, you know, we spend more time doing this or doing that. And, and, you know, we do have to, come back to each other. But I think it's really important that he's always given me the freedom to 
um, follow my passion and just it, it kind of grow and become who whoever that may be. So I have a lot of confidence in what I'm doing because I feel like I have a partner who loves and cherishes me and all the parts of me. So no matter who I'm becoming, no matter what I'm doing, the choices that I'm making, I know that even if he's not a hundred percent, you know, on board with everything I'm doing, I know that he loves me for me and whoever that is. So we've also learned really well that I'm responsible for my own happiness, a hundred percent in my life. I, you know, I solve my own problems. I'm super capable and I can solve my own, you know, problems. And that way I can give myself completely to him. I, I'm not um, dependent on him in any way for my own happiness, if that makes any sense. And the same with him. So it's like, I'm always striving to be the best version of myself so that I can share that with him. And so um, that's kind of just been sort of a, a, a trademark or foundation of our relationship is that we don't depend on each other to fulfill each other's needs, to make each other happy, to do things you know, for each other. We choose that. We also don't feel like we're stuck in this relationship, like we made this commitment and now we're stuck. We always have choices. And so yeah. we choose every single day to, to be together. So those are just some things I think make up a healthy relationship. Let's get a little bit tactile on that is um, that the prompting to follow God's call and the individual aspect of that nature and giving each other space to do that. And also giving each other space to have their own feelings. Cause I know a lot of couples really struggle with that. If my wife's mad, then I have to be mad or sad oh, or, good one. you know, like all of that is true. So uh, I'm guessing that you didn't have those skills in your early twenties when you got married. No. How do you, how do you build them? And if there's a couple who's been married for a number of years how, how do you untrain and retrain yourself to build those in? Well, I think there's just some really important principles that you have to understand. And in, in I think um, fundamentally, you have to understand that you are um, that you are a hundred percent in control of you and only you. Like the only person you can control is you. Mm. So I think that we get some mixed messaging in marriage when we think, especially I think traditional couples counseling, I, I actually went back to school to get my master's and something that I just couldn't handle was you go to, you go to couples therapy and you tell each other what you need and try to compromise and try to meet each other's needs and things like that. And I just feel like that is flawed because we shouldn't have any expectations of each other in a marriage until uh, we shouldn't have any expectations of each other in a marriage, except for that your partner should just be a hundred percent who they are. So mm -hmm. my only expectation for my husband is that he is as Ben as he can possibly be. And then I choose to love him as himself, if that makes sense. So he's responsible. Yeah. Can I push back a little bit with an example? Sure. Yeah. I, I love this line of dialogue and I use it in my own premarital stuff. We call it the responsibility square. Yeah. Right. Which square yes. are you standing in kind yes. of thing? Yes. Um, the, the only question I have is that how would you deal with a couple that says like, uh, 
like obviously there has to be boundaries there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, where where do you begin to draw the line? If a if a husband and certainly that's not Ben, but if a husband were to say, well, you know, I, I want an open marriage and that's a deal breaker, right? I, I mean, obviously that would be a deal breaker for most of us. Where do you draw the? How, how do you with that kind of uh, belief system? How do you kind of draw a line? Mm, good question. Um. Well, I think that you, like you said, you set your boundaries and hopefully that's something that maybe you discussed before you got married. Like, I mean, let's hope. (laughs) what, What it means to be in a committed relationship, what it means to each partner. And so if one of you is open to like an open marriage and the other one wasn't, that kind of goes against sort of the contractual, you know, thing that you had in place when, when you agreed to be married. So I guess you you tread lightly, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that much different than if, you know, you're both the same religion or faith when you chose to get married. And then one of you starts questioning into the marriage or things like that. Oh, sure. I think you just have to deal with that in, you know, respecting yourself. And like I said, being true to yourself and then choosing to share that self with your partner. So if it's an absolute deal breaker, then you just have to state that like, Hey, I can't be in a marriage if you're, you know, being unfaithful. And that would be my definition of being unfaithful. So, um, you know, if that's just something you have to express at every point. So, you know, if you're going to choose to go outside of the marriage, then I have to choose to end the marriage. And that's just, I mean, that's just a conversation that you have to have. But, you know, if, if it's, if it's something a little less, you know, like your partner. Yeah, obviously that, that example is way extreme. Right. So questioning faith or things like that, you know, I think that you would just draw boundaries in, in that, you know, Hey, you know, you're free to follow, you know, that as far as you need to go, you know, I'm just going to love you, but I'm going to continue to, you know, go to church and take the kids to church. And I need you to respect that decision. Um, but you know, you just have to always give your spouse, I think the freedom to become who they're going to become and just trust that, you know, that they'll continue to keep your best interests and the marriage's best interests at hand. But, but you do have to draw those boundaries, you know, like if, if your spouse is yelling at you or something like that, you just have to say, you know, you just have to say, listen, you know, I love you. I can see that you feel very passionate about this. I'm not, I'm not going to be talked to that way. So I'm going to leave right now. And, you know, when you're ready to talk about this, in a normal voice or in a way that I can tolerate, then I'm happy to have this discussion with you. But, you know, you have to always be drawing those boundaries. Yeah. I I really get the sense that the basis of all of this is really good communication. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of rhythms do you recommend or do you even keep for communication habits that are useful for the marriage? Mm, rhythms you like community sorry yeah so like uh i've heard i've heard some speakers talk about like a, a sunday night business meeting or a calendar meeting oh, yes or like um you know my wife and i pray together every night as a part of our connection kind of point so um i, I guess i'm kind of curious like are there disciplines that you and ben keep in order to stay connected that way yeah i uh sunday night 
meetings are awesome. I, um, I have a friend who talks about, um, she uses the acronym refresh and I won't remember all of the, the letters in the acronym, but, but things that have happened the past week and you know what went well and what didn't or you know what's coming up in the next week what are my responsibilities and what are your responsibilities um and then you know how can we be better for each other this week or um where did we feel off or you know being able to reconnect in that way once a week i think is really important having a date night where you don't talk about business <laughs> but you just reconnect and get to know each other you know and where you're at um, I think is always a good idea. I love connecting with my husband in the morning. So for 18 years of our marriage, we have always started the morning with snuggles. So um, unless he's out of town or something, I just know that every morning we're going to have a snuggle time, whether it's really, really short because one of us has to get up and get somewhere or a longer snuggle time and we can be we, we can talk during that snuggle time or I can just lay there and think about the things that I'm grateful for in my marriage the things that I'm grateful for in my life and it's easy to do when I'm physically in close proximity with my mm. husband snuggling like that so um, that's something I just do to check in with myself and then if there's something that needs to be discussed or I feel like I need to communicate something to him then we can do that during that time but I you know each day. And then of course we, we pray together at night before we go to bed. That's something that's always been really important to us. And even if one of us doesn't feel like participating that night, which happens sometimes one of us goes to bed before the other, or somebody's really tired or something like that. I think just, um, I think just involving a higher power and, you know, letting the other person know that, Hey, this import, this relationship is important enough to me for me to call in the powers of heaven to help us and support us and guide us in this really important endeavor that we have here, raising our family and being together. Yeah, so I uh, did a little bit of digital stalking of your uh, Facebook and Instagram, and you do a great job on all those things. And we'll link to those in the show notes so people can follow you. One of the things that intrigued me is the way that you integrate faith in your marriage. And you, like you already mentioned, you were uh, raised Jewish and he was raised Christian, it sounds like. Um, and so how did you guys come to those places and how does that work in your marriage? Mm -hmm. Well, I had already been baptized by the time I met him. So I was, we, we had the same religion, same faith, same ideas about how to raise a family. I think it's really important to talk about all of those things before you just jump into this thing we call marriage. Um, so we were, you know, we saw eye to eye, um, before we decided to get married, to get married, but you know, I mean, life is hard and there's lots of things that happen in life and there's, you know, been times where he's felt strongly, more strongly about faith than I have. And I've felt str more strongly about something in faith than, than he has. And, and you just navigate those things. I mean, I think you just, like I say, have really open communication and then you just have a lot of respect for each other. So I don't, believe in any way that, you know, obviously we don't marry our clones. So you're always going to disagree. You're always going to, you know, fall out of alignment at times and, you know, see things differently. I think that's part of what makes marriage exciting and, and fun. Um, but I think the most important thing to remember is just to respect each other and to be kind and to really have faith that, 
you know, your journey together is kind of in God's hands. And, you know, even if, you know, he feels way more strongly about something than I do, I can still respect his point of view and he can still respect mine. How does that, um, how does that work play out in parenting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because in, in that idea, like I'm thinking like, oh, I definitely have an opinion about the way we should parent in this yeah. moment. My wife has a different opinion in the way we should parent. And we're, uh, we have a 14 year old. So we're just kind of entering those teenage years and, um, you know, his own relationships, which are, whew, make yeah. me sweat, you know, like, uh, <laughs> it's just a lot. So h- how do you, how do you bridge the gap when it comes to the little humans? Yeah, so interesting because we have a 16-year-old and yeah, it, it gets really tricky actually. So I, I actually have a super recent, like so recent as to last night example of that where, um, so my teenager, we were out of the country last week and my teenager downloaded an app that my husband and I told him he wasn't allowed to download. It's called Snapchat. We're oh, yeah. We're against Snapchat. However, my husband feels much more strongly about it than I do. I kind of take the approach that he needs to learn how to, you know, he's in two years, he's out of our house and he is going to have access to any app or anything that he wants on his phone. And so I would rather him kind of learn and make mistakes while he's still under my care. And my husband's like, no, absolutely no Snapchat, right? And so we kind of came back into town and realized that he had done this behind our back. And so not only had he done something we asked him not to do, but then he was lying about it. And so mm. he's a great kid. I don't sure. like want to yeah. give you any wrong ideas. He really does nothing wrong pretty much ever. But, um, but this was a big thing. And so my husband and I had to take some real time. Like we missed our workout that day. We drove to the gym and sat in the car and like discussed what we were going to do about this whole situation. And I could tell in that instance that my husband felt much more passionate about what needed to happen than I did. And so at that point, you know, we both kind of said how we felt about the situation, how we thought we should handle it. And then I kind of stepped back and I said, it sounds like you feel much more strongly about how this needs to go. And so why don't you take the lead this time and I will support you know, what you want to do. And then maybe next time I'll take the lead. So we ended up having a conversation with my son last night. We told him what the consequences were and how we were going to proceed. And my husband was taking the lead, but he was actually kind of fumbling in the conversation a lot. My, my son was getting upset and, you know, it, and I was able to come in. I knew my husband's point of view because we had already discussed it. Mm. So I was able to come in and, and more gently explain our position or his more his position um, that just kind of made a little bit more sense in that situation. But it was good that we were able to get on the same page. And I was able to say, look, I support you, even though I don't feel as strongly. I don't feel like the punishment should be as harsh. I knew that's how he felt. And so I was able to explain that to our son, I think in a way that he understood a little bit better just because I was a little farther removed and not so passionate about it. And it worked out great. And so I think if there's a situation in the future that comes up that maybe I feel more strongly about, I think Ben will be able to support me. So I, it's just all about communication. Let me ask you this just because um, 
raising a teenager. Do, do you mind sharing what the consequence was? Yeah. So well, he had to remove that oh, app yeah. from his phone. Um, and uh, it, it, it's actually, it's not really that harsh of a consequence. We just told him we're going to remove the app. And in three months, if you prove to us that you can be super honest with us, we don't feel like you're going behind our back or, um, you know, doing anything that you shouldn't be doing. If you get your grades up, if you're, you know, responsible and nice to your siblings, all of those things, then we will reevaluate in three months whether or not we can put the app back on your phone. So. Well, you guys are, that was pretty lenient. Actually, I, I for the amount of passion around it, I, I, listen, I would have been taking away phones, I think. Well, and we did say like, listen, we pay for this phone. It's our service. Right. So, you know, you're very lucky to even have a phone. We did consider that, but my biggest uh, goal in raising my teenagers is not to cut off the lines of communication. So I made it very clear to him that it wasn't that much about Snapchat. Like if he had continued to push the issue with us and explain to us why he felt like he could use Snapchat and not get into trouble that we would have considered it. But mm. it was the fact that he was dishonest and that he went behind our back. That's what we had to nip in the bud. So, but I, I don't want the, I don't want to punish him so harshly ever that he feels like he has to be hiding things from yeah. me. He can't talk to me about things. So we actually had this great, you know, we talked about it. He got, you know, pretty emotional, upset for a little while. And then by the end of the night, we, I brought up his phone so that he could take off Snapchat, but my husband actually downloaded Snapchat on his phone. And so we were like, we're going to check out Snapchat. We're going to see who's on Snapchat and how it works. And so before my son went to bed. He was showing me how to use Snapchat. We were going through his Snapchat. We were looking at his friends. He was like showing me what a snap is and how to return a snap. And he talk about streaks. That's the most important thing. Yes, he taught me all about streaks and you know showing me that the streak was about to end and all of these things. So we actually had a great moment where we were just laughing and he was showing me his friends and like I felt like I got this huge window into his life that I feel like if we had like put the hammer down, yeah. not have that conversation that that wouldn't have happened. And those are the moments that I cherish. I, I need him to understand that there's nothing he could possibly do that, you know, that we can't handle. So I feel like you're bringing up a really great point, which is that communication is the pathway back to, to, to unity and togetherness. And that's true with your spouse. It's true with your kids. It's true at work. It's true everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed and you, you kind of alluded to it is uh, you and your husband are both uh, really passionate about being healthy. And that's, that's one of the things that you do. And uh, it seems like you do it really well. How, how did that become a rhythm for you guys? Where did that, how did that stem as a passion? Yeah. So the first thing we ever did together was go on a run. I invited him on a run. Like he was like asking me out on a date and he wanted to like wedge his way into my life. Like I told you when I just wasn't like looking for a relationship, but I was like, Hey, if, you know, I need a running buddy. So if you want to come running with me, you know, I, I run in the mornings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So that was like kind of the first thing we sort of connected on mm. was he was training to play soccer at Brigham Young University. And I was, um, you know, just trying to stay in shape in college. I had played soccer in high school. So we we're both soccer players. 
Um, I thought that I would play in college. I tore my ACL my senior year. It was super bummer. But I had to learn other methods of like staying in shape because otherwise my mental health would just suffer, right? So, so I became a runner and he needed to be running. And so we used to run together. And then, um, you know, af after having babies and all of that stuff, I, I mean, I could never keep up with him to begin with. He's super fast. But, um, but I, when like the more and more I was like, Hey, he's walking and I'm running, <laughs> we decided that, you know, going to the gym, um, together was, was going to be, and, and that's just something we've always done. We've done races together. We've, um, trained for things together. We've, um, we just, we live a very active lifestyle. When we go on vacation, we do hikes, we, um, surf, we, we just, it's just really important us to us our why is kind of like we want to be able to crawl around on the floor with our grandkids and keep up with them and take mm -hmm. them to Disneyland and not get tired so um, physical fitness and health has always been really important to us and it's just something we've enjoyed doing together now that that's led you to a, a passion project which is uh, is coming up soon the epic health summit that you're uh, that you're kind of like, this seems like a huge deal. I, I was checking out the registration page from your website and, and you've got some massive names on that list. Where did that come from? Uh, what's the goal of the day? And, and if somebody was like, yes, I need in on that. Well, where would they go to do that? Yeah. So the Epic Health Summit is February 4th through the 6th. And I strategically placed it there, A, because I needed three months to put it together and B, because statistically most people give up on their new year's resolutions by February. So oh. I knew we needed kind of a, like a pump up. And I, I think the statistics, something like 98 or 99% of people who make new year's resolutions include some sort of health goal in there. So wow. people want to get physically healthy, mentally healthy or emotional healthy. So, um, and mental health is something I have struggled with in the past. I have had kind of a cyclical, um, debilitating anxiety that started after my second child was born. And I always thought it was kind of a postpartum thing, but it just kind of became cyclical. Um, and so mental health, emotional health, and then obviously we just talked about physical health has always been really important to me. And I imagine it's really important to others. So whatever I've learned through my experience and then being able to uh, talk to these experts about it. If I can just get this information out into the world so people can improve their health, that's, you know, just something I want to do. So um, you can register for, for free. You can see each of the interviews on all of these subjects for free for 24 hours. Then you actually do have to pay to keep getting access to them, but you can register for free at on the brighter side of health.com backslash register. That's good. And we'll link to that in the, in the show notes and make sure that everybody has the option to that. It, it looks amazing. So uh, thank you for putting all that out in the world. Uh, another question kind of related. Um, at, at one point I saw the Epic Wives Club. Was that a thing for you too? Oh, okay. So um, in October, I did what's called the Epic Marriage Summit. So that's where it Epic started. Marriage. Got it. Got it. Well, Okay, but so I, I put on the Epic Marriage Summit because that is my first love and my first passion. That was my first summit. It was awesome. And I made friends with all of these amazing marriage experts. 
through that summit. So that is actually still available available at on the brighter side of marriage.com. But one of my presenters, his name is Nate Bagley, and we just connected. We we've done a few projects together, but the epic wives experiment is his baby. It's kind of his mm. um and I wanted to be more involved in it, but we were in Costa Rica and, but it looks like it's going amazing for him. It's really exciting. So basically he's teaching wives how to kind of with the same philosophy that, you know, if I'm a good wife and, and I work on myself and I do these certain things, then it just kind of rubs into my marriage. And so mm-hmm. he's teaching wives how to um, get their husbands to help around the house and how to get more appreciation and all of these things that we just kind of want as wives, right? He's teaching them how to make changes in their own lives and in the way that they function that creates this environment that husbands will just want to do more. So that's really exciting too. I can give you the link to that. So, you know, one of the things I noticed pretty consistently in, in your story and in your passions is that you, you're doing, you do a great job of surrounding yourself with pretty incredible people. You might even say <laughs> epic people, <Yes. laughs> like a, to use the pun. Um, so ha- first of all, like h- how would you recommend someone enlarge their community to include people who are role models and two, what impact has that had on your marriage and in your life? Yeah, great question. Um, I think I've always just been politely persistent is just a quality I was just born with, I think. So I, you know, when I find somebody that inspires me or, you know, that I really look up to, I just reach out to them. So on social media or through email or things like that, I start following them. I start commenting on what they're doing talking about, you know, how they're influencing me and inspiring me, leaving reviews for them. I just kind of inch my way into their consciousness. They know that I'm there. (laughs) And then then I just ask, I just say, Hey, listen, I'm putting together this awesome summit. I think what you do is amazing. I would love for you to participate. And then, you know, Sometimes I get a yes, most times I get a no, but I'll just keep asking. I'll just say, well, if you can't do that, maybe you could be on my podcast or, you know, I just look for ways to um, be able to, to be near them. And then I've just been very lucky that I have had a lot of associations just from where I live or just experiences, college, things like that. I just, I also think another talent of mine is seeing seeing the good in others, like seeing what they'd be really good at and then following them. So, um, I I just finished editing a podcast episode with Steve Cook, who is incredible in the fitness space. He's a a very big name. He's going to be on TV this month. I'm super excited. He's a coach for the biggest loser. Oh, wow. That's where I've heard the name actually. Yeah. I was just, uh, somebody had just posted about Biggest Loser and the co- and and I for some reason it, it caught my attention. So that's that makes sense. Yeah, he's he is a superstar, but he was really good friends with my husband's little sister when we were getting married. And so I met him when he was a junior in high school and he was just the coolest kid. He was like a little brother to me. And he has just gone. I I I was kind of there when he got married. And then when that marriage didn't work out, he wanted to go to the NFL. He talks about all of this in the podcast episode, but he kind of like 
rose from the ashes. Like he just, he talks about how he just hit rock bottom and he was like, you know, it's, it's a very liberating when you totally hit rock bottom, you fail at everything you thought you were, you know, going to succeed at. And then you just can remake yourself. And so, um, he's gone on to do these incredible things in the fitness community. So, um, I was just lucky, I guess, to be in his proximity, but I followed him along kind of in that journey. And, and so was able to talk to him, which was so lucky. Um, but you know, there's been every, we, we all know somebody kind of famous or that that's doing something amazing. So just utilize your resources, like figure out how to reach out to people that, that, you know, or are connected to somehow and, and just see what happens. How has all of that impacted your marriage? Mm. Well, I think that, uh, I don't know exactly how the saying goes, but they say you're like the, you're the sum total of the five people you surround yourself with or something like that. Oh, you nailed it. I think that's it. Exactly. Um, we, we surround ourselves with people that, uh, love being married. I think that our closest friends, um, are, are, you know, just people like us that, that, do their best to enjoy their marriage and we love spending time with them. So um, that's not to say we don't have any friends that have struggled in their marriage. We have tons of friends that have struggled in their marriage, but um, we spend the most time with other couples that are just doing what we're doing and, and, and loving being married. So that's awesome. Now you seem like a fairly outgoing person and not very fearful of anyone is your husband is equally extroverted or would he be an introvert? Totally. My husband, <laughs> my husband is the life of every party. What's really interesting is in the work that I do here, I, I, I podcast, I, I do videos, I summit, you know, uh, I I'm building a course right now. I, I, I'm way out there on social media. Yeah. You have a, a large digital platform. I, well, I love social media. I'm on there a lot. That's one of the things my husband and I kind of disagree on. My husband's like, wants to throw my phone out the window sometimes. So I have to like keep that balance. My husband does not do social media. My husband would never do a podcast. He does not like any of that kind of um, attention. But what's interesting is, is he is way more outgoing in, in person than I am. So we'll walk into a room and my husband is like, he wants to talk to everybody in the room. He's just like super outgoing where I'd rather just like stand in the corner and talk to a couple people. So it's really interesting that dynamic he's, I'm very public as far as like digitally public, I guess, or online public and outgoing where he's like nowhere. You won't, I mean, you won't find any social media posts by him ever. I think his only post on Instagram is when I stole his phone and posted for him. Um, <laughs> but um, he's a lurker. He, he does look at social media. He doesn't like all my posts, but he's never made his own post. And, um, but in, in person, in real life, he, he is a big personality. He loves to be out there and talking to everybody. Now, is, um, I know that you've got a marriage course coming out in a Valentine's Day, right? Valentine's Day, which is actually about the time that this podcast will drop. So um, what's the course about? Give us the, give us the rundown. Why do people need to be in this course? Oh gosh. It's, it's a lot of what we've been talking about today. It's 
Um, I talk about the basics and fundamentals of, of just building a, a really strong, healthy marriage, but it's got modules that include communication, sex and intimacy, um, building your family culture together. We've touched on a lot of these things actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, special circumstances like dealing with a wife or dealing with a wife, dealing with a spouse, um, who, who deals with an addiction or a mental illness or, you know, having a child with special needs, those types of special circumstances. So I address all of those things in depth, but they're all, they're in really, really bite-sized chunks and everything is like things for you to go and do that are very, very simple. Now I won't say easy because having a good marriage is not easy, but it's simple. And so I try to break it down into like really simple, doable Um, actions that you can take. And what I pride myself on in this course is that I feel like you can strengthen your marriage without involving your spouse. So if your spouse is like my spouse and he's like, I'm not taking that course, that sounds so silly, blah, blah. Um, You can take the course and you can do all the work on your own. And I pretty much guarantee that you can radically improve your marriage without your spouse doing anything or knowing or caring or any of it. So um, that's what I love about it. A lot of it is just work that you can do on your own thoughts, your own stories, your own actions, things that you can do by yourself to make your experience in your marriage that much better. And your spouse doesn't have to change a thing. That sounds amazing. Where can people go if they want to register like right now? Yeah. You know, the best thing to do probably is going to be to email me at, um, on the brighter side of life at gmail.com or Monty at on the brighter side of life.com. Um, basically my goal in life is to own all the domains that have to do with on the brighter side. So if you're interested in marriage, it's on the brighter side of marriage.com. If you're interested in health, it's on the brighter side of health.com. If you're interested in my podcast, it's on the brighter side of life.com. Um, and you can get information about the course basically in any of those locations. How how did you land on, on the brighter side out of curiosity? You know, I don't know. I, I think I've always just felt it very important to look on the brighter side. (laughs) I, I think the experiences I've had in my life, my life hasn't always been like rainbows and unicorns. I think I've gone through some really difficult times. And I think what's gotten me through that is the ability to just look through to the brighter side. And I, I try to teach other people how to do the same. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, I love what you're, you stand for and what you're doing. And uh, so the final question, I always love to ask my guests. It's uh, it's an easy question, but it's, it's deep. It's kind of deep is uh, if you could go back in time um, and give yourself one piece of advice. And, and for you specifically, I want to go back to your wedding day, right? <laughs> so, uh, because you're a relationship expert. And yeah. so you go back to your wedding day, you, you just said I do's, you made the, the, the vows, and uh, you, you turned around to face uh, the congregation, give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I love this. Oh my gosh, I could probably go on for a long time. But you turn around to face the congregation. And I think the thing that I would say is this is the beginning of your story. You are the one who gets to tell it. You get to 
you, you can't control the circumstances, but you can create the story that you tell about it. And the story that you tell about your marriage and your life is, has a hundred percent impact on whether or not you enjoy it. So this is your life. This is your marriage and this is your story. So write a good one. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Monica. I appreciate you. I appreciate your heart for marriages and your time today. Um, I can't wait to follow you and see how all of these amazing epic events go. (laughs) Thank you. I hope I don't let you down. everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Monica Tanner. She has so much to bring to the conversation around marriage and feelings. And I just strongly recommend that you go follow her. She's doing some great things with health in general, women's health, uh, wives, healthy wives, and uh, all of that stuff is so good. When you start to go down that path, whether you agree with everything she's teaching or not, you will only get better. And so I, I really appreciate her time. Go follow her on all the devices. And as always, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend or maybe who somebody who hasn't heard it before, maybe somebody who uh, loves to look at their marriage and maybe get a little tune-up. It's, it's a great Valentine's Day present. Share it with your spouse, talk about it, and then uh, send me the feedback. I'd love to hear how, uh, how, how it went, what you think, and if there's anything we can do to help. As always, our mission here is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. Thanks.